Well, yeah, uh, you heard our shout outs already being given to Pastor Jake. He did a great job last Sunday. Uh, looking forward to uh, continuing to go on our theme for this year. You guys remember what our vision is for this year, what our statement is from 1 Peter 1.13? You guys remember? Prepare your hearts and minds for action. Okay, good. All right, you guys, you still awake? I know you're passing the bag. You're putting your tithe offering in. I'll give you a break. Um, but we're in this season of preparing, right? This idea of preparing our hearts and minds for action. And so I'm not done preaching on uh, our vision for this year. We'll see. This might go all year long. Um, but we're still on this idea of preparing. And just that definition of prepare. I think there's another slide for that. Just reminding you that we're getting ready, right? We're getting ready for something to happen. Getting ready for something expected or thought possible. That this is the idea this year, that we are expectant or we are pregnant with hope, that there is something that we are believing is going to happen. And so we're getting ready for that. We're preparing. And so what are those things? And so this morning, the title of this morning's message is we are prepared for change. <gasps> Some of you might not like that word change, um, but that is something that we are getting prepared for, that we are going to be prepared for change. And uh, why do I say that? Um, because even in my preparing for my sermon this week, this past week, um, the Lord changed my sermon. I was going to go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and kind of go through these things. I had things prepared. I had, I had notes. I was ready. I was prepared to prepare for, a service, or for our, our, my sermon. And God said, no, we're not doing that. Uh, and so I had to change my message. Pat shared that. She kind of changed what she was going to share for communion. So there's something about that God likes it when we are willing or ready to change our plans. And there's something about that. And so I'm going to read to you kind of where I'm using as a springboard uh, this verse I read in my own devotional time this last week. And I thought it was for me. God was telling me things. And I was like, yeah, that's good. And then later on, I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to preach that too. Okay. Um, so it's in Psalm 55, verse 19. And it says this, because they did not change, therefore they did not fear God. Because they did not change, therefore they did not fear God. So what does that all mean? You can read in different translations, but I kind of like the New King James. Um, Sunday school trivia here. See if you're still awake, right? Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. wisdom. All right. So this idea that because they did not fear God or they didn't have wisdom, they did not change. So you could say it's foolish to not change. It would be foolish to dig your heels and saying, I'm not changing. That would be a foolish thing, the scripture is saying that. Or that it's wise to even desire change. Some of us don't like change. I remember, uh, I think it was the first year I became pastor, there was a lot changing in our church. And uh, Pastor uh, Mark uh, Coppersmith, uh, Calpersmith came and, and was talking. He said, raise your hand if you like change. And I was sitting on the front pew, and I just raised my hand. I just figured, like, everyone's raising their hand. And he's like, Pastor, look behind you. I'm like, oh, I was like the only one raising my hand. Oh, not everyone likes change. I like change. Um, and I'm not saying I get it. I know there's things, there's routines. I don't like it when it's supposed to take me 10 minutes to get to church and it takes me 20 minutes to get to church. I don't like that kind of change. Like what's going on with the traffic? What's going on with construction, right? So I get it. I know there's things I don't like change. But God's word is saying this morning that we are to be prepared for change. Things are supposed to be different than, they're, than they were in the past. And are we prepared for that? Are we ready for that? Are we actually wisely anticipating it and desiring it? A heart of wisdom is a heart that is prepared for change. A mind that is thinking things are going to change and I am going to prepare for that, I'm ready for that, is a mind, right, that leads to wisdom. This idea of change, I can actually kind of substitute it with this word repent. 
Repent from your ways. Change from your ways. So there's idea. We talked about our hearts need to be broken and repentant. It kind of connects to that idea, this idea of change. Repenting or changing your ways is a sign of wisdom. Keep coming back to that verse. There was someone uh, that was much more in my life, prominent in my life years ago, and I remember them saying at one point, they said, no, I'm not going to change. I like who I am, and I'm not going to change for anybody. It came out of their mouth. And I remember when that person said that, I was like, there's something that sounds okay about that and something that sounds very not okay with that statement. And I didn't, I didn't understand it when they said it. I was like, mm, I get it. You should be, there should be a, a healthy sense of confidence, like I don't change for anybody, right? I, I, get those, I get the sentiment behind it, but it is not a true statement. It is not a wise statement to say I'm not going to change. And I found out later this person, it kind of became their motto in life, and they actually were thriving the church and had a position in leadership. And now they don't even go to church. There's something about this that if we are not willing to change, it leads to destruction. It leads to unhealth. It leads to all kinds of tumultuous times in our life. You heard Pat talking about this. If you're not willing to change, man, then life is going to throw you curveballs and you're not going to know what to do with them. This idea of repenting. Just thinking about it, that's, that's our theme. Prepare for action, prepare for change. I'll just ask the question, are you willing to change? Uh, and, and I know we can say that because I'm saying you're foolish if you don't, right? So it's easy to say yes, but really think about it. Are you willing to change in any area of your life? It's just completely available to God. I'm willing to change anything, God. That's a big statement. Are you willing to change? This is going to be a scary one. I won't spend a long time on this because I won't get sidetracked. Are you willing to change your theology and your doctrine and what you think about God? Can I tell you? I'll just confess. I've, I've changed from post-trib to pre-trib to post-trib back to pre-trib. So I'm currently pre-trib. But I've changed from going to Bible college and hearing different professors and studying on my own and doing this. I, I've changed and sometimes that drive, might drive people nuts. Like, you should, you're the pastor. You should know what you're doing. Yeah, at the same time, I'm growing in my relationship with God. I'm growing from glory to glory. And I'm willing to change everything I think about God. I get it. I am confident that Jesus died on the cross and that I'm going to heaven, right? That will never change. But there are things I think about God. Sometimes I project this is how God does things. And God is saying, your idea of me needs to change, Ryan. The way you think I operate needs to change. The way you think about yourself, sometimes that needs to change. The way you think about other people often needs to change. And it comes to this idea of repentance or humility. And so I, I love C.S. Lewis, a great theologian. And in Mere Christianity, he has this great quote. And he says this. I think I have a slide for it. He says, if anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud and a biggest step too. At least nothing whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. <laughs> not a fun one to hear, huh? I'll replace it. If you think you don't need to change, you are the prime example of someone who needs to change. No, I mean, my life is good. I don't need to change anything. 
okay, scary place to be. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm. See, I, I love there's this psalm, and I think it might have been one of our verses. I'm pretty sure it was. Maybe if it wasn't, I missed a good one. Um, in our first three weeks, the first fruits fast, where I gave you those devotionals and had a verse for each day, Psalm 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search my mind. See if there be any wicked way, right? And I've learned that that wicked way, sometimes I've read that, I'm like, that's like evil. Like, I, I want to murder somebody. And God's like, Ryan, that wicked way just means you're wanting what you want rather than what I want. There's things in your heart that you're desiring that I don't want you to desire. There's things you're thinking in your mind that I don't think ever. So I have to say, God, my heart and my mind, I submit them to you and I'm willing to change those. I'm willing to change desires. I'm willing to change thought life. See if there be any wicked way. As C.S. Lewis wisely said, we've all got some wicked ways or some things that are not pleasing to God or not exactly lined up with how he does things, right? None of us are perfect. No, not one. All of us are growing. All of us are maturing. All of us have to work at our salvation with fear and trembling, right? So all of us have to change. I have several things that I just came to my mind when I was chewing on this for myself personally, and I will see what all comes in today's message. I have things prepared, but it's always fun for me to find out what comes out on Sunday morning too. Um, but one of the things that came out is sometimes I make decisions in life based on how I feel. I don't feel like Italian food. Make it benign, right? I don't feel like getting up early. I don't feel like going to the gym. I don't feel like working out. So I make decisions based off how I feel. Am I the only one in the room? No. Okay, thank you. But we're not called to live a life where feelings are our master, where feelings make the decisions for us. That would be a foolish way to live. We're called to live by faith. Are you a person of feeling, of facts, or of faith? I'll explain that. Yes, I probably, I probably qualify in all three. But we're called to be people of faith. And too often, we make decisions based off of feelings. I, I feel this, and I get it. I have four kids, right, three boys and a girl. Some of them have more feelings and emotions than others. And sometimes going through puberty, there's even more feelings and emotions, right? I get it. We all can have different feelings at different times. But feelings make horrible masters. The same time, Facts, that seems like, oh, fact-finding, I should do that. Logic-leaning, that would be smart, that would be wise to get all the facts and logic and reason and make every decision based on life off of what makes the most sense. That's how I should make, and God keeps challenging me. Ryan, what's your favorite Bible verse? Lean not on your own understanding. I tend to be a little more logic-leaning than faith, or than feeling reason, right? I do make decisions off of feeling sometimes. But more often than not, I tend to find the logical thing. Well, what makes the most sense? What's practical? What are all the facts? Let me get all that, and then I'll make the most informed decision, and this makes the most sense, and I'll make that decision. And God often is saying, Ryan, I'm not called you to be a person of facts, but a person of faith. 
We were just sharing a testimony with some people that came over to our house yesterday. They were asking, how do you afford four kids going to private Christian school? I'm like, it's a miracle, right? Because even when my first, Benjamin, we had him enrolled at a public school. And really quick, I won't go through the whole story, but God, one time when I was in my work truck driving, total conversational. Was not thinking about it, was not praying earnestly. I was probably thinking about, I don't know, what I was going to eat for lunch or something. I don't know. And I heard just conversationally, hey, Ryan, why aren't you sending your son to, to Village Christian Schools? I was like, because I can't afford it. I'm like, easy, like, easy answer. And then conversationally, is that the only reason why? And I was like, yeah, I think so. Let me think about it. Yeah, that's the only reason why. Like, I want him to go there. That's, you know, that's where I graduated from. That's where my wife graduated from. That's where my mom taught for 30-some-odd years. Like, yeah, that's where I want him to go. I want him to get a good private Christian school education. That's what I want, but I can't afford it. He's like, well, do you trust me? Yes, God, I trust you, but I also am running my own bank account, and I know I'm the one that pays all the bills. I can't afford it, right? And so all he said, well, well, trust me. I was like, wait, God, are you saying you want me to enroll him there? I mean, I'll have to pay. Like, in two weeks, I'll have to pay. I can't. I'm like, do you trust me? So obviously, you know that I end up trusting God, and I did it, and it's amazing. God provided. It was a miracle. God provided. And then I was like, okay, I got one kid in there. Next year, two. That's twice as much, right? Miracle after miracle. It's being a person of faith. If I just did every decision based off of facts, I'd be living a miserable life. I don't want us to live a miserable life where we just make decisions based off of feelings or facts. It's got to be by faith. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. I enjoy life when I'm pleasing God. When I feel his pleasure on me, oh, that's when I am fully alive. So there's something that needs to change. As I'm saying this, this isn't just information I'm throwing out in the airwaves. I believe some of this is for someone else in the room. There's something that needs to change. I don't feel like getting up early. That might be someone. You need to change your alarm clock and force yourself to do something you don't want to do, right? Fasting, I tell you all the time, fasting food, I don't want to be hungry all day long. But at some point, I make a decision. No, I am going to do this by faith, right? I'm going to discipline. I'm not going to be led by my feelings. And that's important. Hmm. Now, I'm going to jump into this really quick then. Psalms 22.22. It's a good verse. I'll read it to you, actually. Psalms 22.22 says this. Um, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. It's a great, great psalm. Enjoy it. This needs some context. Psalms 22:22 in my Bible, again, in my own devotional time, I had written a long time ago um, in the margin, kind of dashed things. I said, this is a transition verse. And so I was like, oh, okay. I was kind of reading through it again. And I was recognizing, oh, this is a transition verse. This is where things change. When I read it, if you just read it all on its own, it's like, well, it's just a good verse. Like, yeah, I'm going to declare God's praises in the congregation of people. That's a good thing to do, right? But it brings so much more meaning when you have context. Let me give you, I heard some Bible, so you might already turn there. That's okay. But I'm going to give you some excerpts and see, this is David, King David, who wrote this psalm thousands and thousands of years ago. But someone else applied this to their own lives. Sunday school trivia, I'll give you some excerpts leading up to verse 22. It says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am a reproach of men and despised by the people. 
All those who see me ridicule me. They say, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Who else quoted this besides David? Jesus on the cross. At some point in Jesus's life, he was a victim of injustice. Is that true? We just took communion. Jesus did not deserve to die on the cross. David was accounting times in his life. God, it's not fair. I, I feel like everything's going wrong. but This is how I feel. I feel like everything is going wrong and nobody's for me and life stinks. Read the Psalms. David talks about that a lot. Man, my enemies, they just, they keep winning and I keep losing. I keep serving you. I keep doing everything you tell me to do and nothing's going my way. David tells God how he feels. It is okay to tell God how you feel. It's not wrong. Sunday school trivia, did Jesus ever sin? No. no, he was perfect. He never sinned. Did Jesus complain to God? He did. Garden of Gethsemane. I don't want to do this, God. But he submitted to him, right? He was in anxiety. He was going through a struggle. He was going through a trial and he struggled. He sweat drops of blood. Is it a sin to struggle through a trial? No, it's not a sin to do that. You can hear these words. His heart was poured out like wax. Is it wrong or a sin to be hurt, for your heart to be hurt? No. But there's something about this transition. Psalm 22, 22. Up until this verse, Jesus is pleading. David is pleading. But in verse 22, I wrote in my margin, from pleading to prophesying. A transition or a change took place. David's circumstances didn't change. In this chapter, it doesn't say that Jesus' circumstances actually changed, but he went from pleading to prophesying. That's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk about there's some things that need to change. Is it wrong to tell God, God, I just need you. I need help. Help me. Help me. It is not a wrong prayer. But at some point, if that's all you ever pray, there's something wrong. If all you know how to do, going back to the beginning of this service, if all you know how to do is be still and quiet in God's presence and never shout with a voice of triumph, there's something missing in your life. If all you know how to do is plead and ask God for help and you never know how to prophesy and declare, this is the word of the Lord. These are his promises and they are for my life for right now. You're missing out on the real Christian life. A change needs to occur from pleading to prophesying, from being a victim to being a victor. Some of us have a victim mentality. Jesus, he was a victim. David was a victim. I'm not saying it's a sin to be a victim, but to have a victim mentality at all times and never change that mindset for a victor's mentality, that is a sin. At some point, we have to change our mindset, say, I am not a victim. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. A hurt heart. It's not a sin to have your heart crushed and bruised and, and for it to be hurting. But if you stay in a constant 
season that never changes of your heart just being hurt all the time, it's not healthy. At some point, a hurt heart has to change to a heart of hope. So I'll read to you. This is actually from the Message Bible. The transition. We talked about how he was pleading. Jesus is pleading. It's this hurt heart. He's a victim, right? All these different things. Pleading, victim, hurt heart, and it transitions here. I'll read it to you in the message. I don't have a slide, so you just get to listen. Here's the story I'll tell, and I'll punctuate it with hallelujahs. Here in this great gathering for worship, I have discovered the praise life. And I'll do it, I'll do what I promised right here in front of the God worshipers. Down in outers, sit at God's table and eat their fill. Everyone on the hunt for God is here praising him. Live it up from head to toe, don't ever quit. From the four corners of the earth, people are coming to their senses and running back to God. Long lost families are falling on their faces before him. God has taken charge. From now on, he has the last word. All the power mongers are before him, worshiping. All the poor and powerless, they're here too, worshiping. Along with those who never got it together, all worshiping. Our children and their children will get on in on this as the word passes along from generation to generation. Babies not yet conceived will hear the good news that God does what he says. The transition is pretty dynamic. From my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, not a sin to ever pray that prayer. But it's amazing how he began to prophesy the promise of God. God, you've never failed me. You never will. We say it often here, right? If, God's not, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. There's something about this hope that we can have as an anchor for our souls. You heard Pat and, and Pastor Jake talk about last week, right? That too many of us, we do this. And life can be a roller coaster, I've heard people say. But at some point, if that's your life always, you're not healthy. And today, God is calling us out. Some things need to change. Mindsets, the way we make, make decisions. I know for me that, from victim to victor, that's powerful. From a hurt heart to a heart of hope. But for me, I know for me that the biggest one is from pleading to prophesying. My prayer life needs to change. It's not wrong all the times I plead before God. God, help. God, would you do this? God, I need this. God, I need that. To say, no, God, this is your word. And this is what you say. And I'm going to start declaring it and prophesying. This is what is going to happen. And I feel like if you didn't catch it, Psalm 22, 22. If you weren't here this last Wednesday, I called this last Wednesday a Tuesday. Dad joke, I know. But it was February 2nd, the year 2022. So it was 2, 2, 22. So it was a Tuesday on a Wednesday. Um, yes, yes, I know. Um, don't worry. This last Wednesday was 2, 2, 22. But in a week and a half, two weeks from now, it'll be 2 and that actually will be on a Tuesday. It'll be a Tuesday on a Tuesday. But there's something about this season. We are in the year of 2020, 
22, right? I've heard, I'm hearing a lot of prophetic things being said about the year 22, that change or transition is going to happen. And I don't want to get into the politics and all these different things that I am prophesying into and all those things in every area of my life. I'm beginning to prophesy more and more. And I think that's partly what God is saying in this year is let's learn to prophesy and declare, right? As we just did that, we shouted with a voice of triumph. Sometimes I don't feel like doing that, but it's a prophetic declaration. I wonder, sorry, sad tangent really quick. I just wonder, I don't know. I wonder how many Israelites marching around the wall of Jericho. I wonder how many of them, it doesn't say that they knew what was going to happen. When they shouted, they didn't know what was going to happen. I'm just wondering if some of them watching around, when we shout, what's going to happen? They're going to throw spears and bow and arrows. They're going to throw things from the top of the walls. They're going to kill us all. Like, they didn't know. Maybe they didn't feel like it. Maybe they felt small in the eyes of Jericho. It was the biggest walled city that existed that day. Maybe they didn't feel qualified. Maybe they didn't feel like shouting, but they were obedient. And they just, with prophetic declaration, just shouted and then the battle belonged to the Lord. There's things that sometimes I don't feel like it. And there's a great song, uh, I Will Prophesy Your Promise, by Brian and Katie Torwald. I encourage you, if you don't know what that song is, Google it, YouTube it. It's a great song. But it's about this song where I will, pro- it's, I don't feel like God is for me. It doesn't matter what I feel like. God's word says he is. So I'm not going to base my idea of who God is off of my circumstances, off of my feelings, off of my own thoughts and facts that line up. No, God's word is the truth. And I'm going to prophesy what he says. Hmm. Where do you need to stop pleading and start prophesying? Maybe there's a prodigal in your family. Was it ever wrong to be pleading and crying before God to save them? No, it was never wrong. But at some point... God is saying, are you prepared to change your prayers and start prophesying? Maybe you're struggling financially or even physically, health, right? There's all kinds of things. I just feel like God is saying, I'm not saying it's this magic wand, you just do this and everything fixes itself. No, you know there's a dynamic to our relationship with God that there's ins and outs of things. But God is saying, I sense as your pastor, I sense we are in a season that we've got to transition from pleading to prophesying. That I'm not just asking when someone comes for prayer, I'm not just saying, God, if you're willing, please heal this person. Not a wrong, evil prayer. Again, we have scripture. Jesus prayed that way. But at some point, we have to transition and say, no, God, you are a healer, and you are healing them right now in Jesus' name. There's just something different about those types of prayers. And God is saying it's time to start activating those prophesying prayers. Hmm. Really quick. Another one of those 2222s. Isaiah 2222 talks about the key of David being given. And we can open doors that nobody else can close and close doors that nobody else can open. And there's all kinds of stuff prophetically about that. But again, really quick context. If you know that verse, that chapter, it's talking about people back in Isaiah's day, real people. Talking about Shebna, this guy who was right underneath the king that had the keys to the kingdom that physical, real, earthly realm kingdom, and that, whatever, that he had access to the king's treasures, had access to everything. And Shebna was this prideful, arrogant ruler that took the king's money and the people's taxes and did things for himself, whatever he felt like, 
whatever he wanted to do. And Isaiah came and said, all right, I'm prophesying. Shebna, those keys are going to be stripped from you as an evil ruler, and they're being given to Eliakim. And Eliakim is a Christ prototype. He's a Messiah. He comes with wisdom, and the keys are given to him. And whatever he opens, no one can shut. And it's actually, you see Jesus quoting in Revelation chapter 3. He quotes that I am, right? I have, this is who I am. When he's talking to the uh, church of Philippians, uh, Philippi, he's saying, I am Jesus. I'm the one who has the keys and all authority in heaven and earth. And whatever I do, nobody can undo. But I wonder in all that context, there's a transition from an evil ruler to a godly ruler. At some point, there are things we make decisions in our own life based off of our flesh. Again, you know me, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Romans 8. Just around that same context of Romans 8, Paul talks about his flesh and his spirit man. Sometimes he does what he doesn't want to do, and what he wants to do, he doesn't do. Ah, he's so frustrated with himself. He's like, but who can save me from this struggle I'm in? The Holy Spirit. If I submit to him, if I yield to him, and I make him the Lord, ah, oh, I have authority to decide what goes on in my life. You have been given keys in your life to decide what comes in and what is not allowed to come into your life. I don't want to go too deep in all this, but I mean, just getting practical. The gates, the doors of your life, your eyes, your ears, things you listen to, things you watch, right? You have authority to decide what you're going to listen to, what you're going to watch. You... The enemy speaks. The enemy is, speaks lies all day long, right? Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, speaking lies to them. Takes scripture, takes what God says, and just twists a little bit. We have the ability to tell, no, I rebuke you. I'm not listening to you. So getting a little more practical, so I only have a few minutes left. What are some things that need to change in your life? Hmm. Kind of going back to C.S. Lewis. If you aren't changing and growing from glory to glory, you are by default falling away from God. Wow. There's no mushy middle. There's no like, oh, I'm just doing okay. Like, what's your, what's your relationship with God on a scale from one to 10? Like a five. Like, I'm not a horrible person, but I'm not like really on fire for God. There, that doesn't exist. You're either actively changing. What are you right now? And I'm, it's a hypothetical question, but ask yourself, what are you currently working on to change in your life right now? What's changing inside of you? A mindset? The way you treat others? We should be changing daily. And if we can't point to something that this is what I'm working on, that's a scary place to be. I don't care if you follow the Lord for 90 years. You should still be changing. So I'll step on, if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, I'll step on your toes these last four minutes. Like Pastor Jake said last week, are you changing your Sunday morning routine? Are you coming to church with a mindset, I come to church to receive. And if they don't sing the right worship songs or they don't do it the right way, then I didn't really like church that day. Well, if the pastor didn't preach with a lot of enthusiasm or do this or tell funny jokes, then it wasn't a very good Sunday. At some point, it's not on everybody else. That's what Pastor Jake was saying. Are you coming prepared? Are you coming hungry? So what are you proactively changing before you come to church. It's not okay just to hear a sermon and say, oh, that's a, that's a, in theory, that's a great idea, pastor. What are you actually changing? I mean, I'm really gonna step on toes. 
If you consistently show up late to church, something needs to change. You need to set your alarm clock earlier. You need to change your habits. I'll even throw this out. Maybe you could be so proactive. I'm going to change. I'm going to get to church 15 minutes early and I'm going to pray through the sanctuary. I'm not going to leave that up to leadership. I'm going to be part of what God wants to do at church. I'm going to come ready to give. I'm going to ask God for a word. I'm going to ask all week long. I want a scripture that's not just for me. I want to be able to share that scripture with somebody on Sunday. God, would you give me something so Sunday when I show up, I'm not just a taker, I'm a giver? Wow. That might be radically changing some way we think. Again, I'm stepping on toes, but this is what God is saying this morning. Some of you, I'll just go there. Some of you join online, and I love that you're joining us online. Some of you, I'm just being honest, need to change and say, I need to make coming in person to church a bigger priority. And I know I've struggled even saying that because I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity. There's lots of people that were sick with COVID these last couple months, and it was a great resource be able to still hear what's going on at church even while you're at home. So I love that we have online. I love that you're joining us online. But at some point, something needs to change. It was great for a season to be able to join hundreds of churches on a Sunday. I loved it. I would join, I don't know how many churches. It was fun. The very beginning of COVID, man, I was joining all kinds of churches. I had cousins and people I hadn't seen in years. They were watching me preach for the first time. It was great. At some point, something needs to change. Roots need to go into a church and relationships with the body of Christ. Maybe it's not just coming to church early. Maybe it's changing and staying a little bit later. Fellowshipping, talking to somebody else. I'll just say it really quick. I, I remember uh, Rick Martin, who passed away from COVID a couple of years ago, was a member of our church, and he was challenged by his daughter she just asked, hey, what church do you go to, Dad? He's like, oh, I go to Austin Neighbor Church. Well, what friends do you have there? I don't really have any, like, friends. I just, I know some people there. She's like, well, what do you do after church? Her daughter just asked, what do you do after church? Well, as soon as the pastor says amen, I just leave. She's like, Dad, why don't you stick around? And he changed. An older man listened to his adult daughter and said, okay, I'll change. And he stuck around. And I remember having conversations with him in the courtyard. I'd, I remember seeing him, but I didn't know him. But he made a change to stay around here. And I got to know the guy. Praise God, I got to know him before he passed away. He was a beautiful soul. And he challenged my faith. He called me out on a few things. I loved it. He was not afraid. Pastor, how come you don't preach on healing? How come you don't? And he started saying, I was like, oh, okay, I, okay. I loved it. Really quick, I go through these quick because I know we're right at 12. Words that come out of your mouth. Some of us need to change the words that come out of our mouth. Not just cuss words. I'm saying negative words. I experienced it yesterday, and nobody else in my whole family even knows. I said something negative, and before I went to bed that night, I had the conviction of God all over me, and I was a mess. Because I went back, and I replayed the day, and I realized, oh, man, that one negative thing I said, it robbed the day of certain things. I realized, oh, man, there, yep, there. the Holy Spirit was kind of replaying the day, and it robbed me spiritually of blessing other people, and then blessing me. It's like, man, that one negative word, it changed the way I viewed things, and it messed up the day. Some of us need to go on a negativity fast. <laughs> and for every negative word that comes out of your mouth, you gotta say five positive things about them. And I'll, I'll even go there, stepping on toes. If you say something negative about a politician you don't agree with, maybe say, 
I'm going to pray five positive things, that God blesses that person, gives them prosperity and health and whatever else. At some point, we've got to change the way we talk. I stepped on toes. I'll keep going. Finances. Some of us are starting to pay taxes and going through our, our, what we make in a year. Hopefully, if you gave anything last year to Osborne, you got a giving statement, and it showed how much money you gave in a year. I'm just going to be point blank and honest right there. Maybe go through there. Did you actually tithe? Was it actually 10%? That might not need to change. Maybe you are a tither, and God's saying, hey, I'd like you to be a tithe and offering. All these things just have to be submitted to the Lord, and I get quiet, I know. But these things, we said, yeah, I'm willing to change. Until the rubber meets the road. Right? Like, I'm willing to change, God. Yeah, but are you willing to give me 10%? Mm, I don't know about that one, God. Like, you know I love you. That's not, I don't have to do that, God. All right. But are you really, really, really willing to change? Your time. Like I said, the gates. What are you spending time? Like mindset. I can keep going over these things. But what is the Lord saying to you? Because I got to wrap it up. And Daniel and the worship team can come on up. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because if I just came up here and I just talked and said words and I just read scriptures, but we'd actually do anything, we'd be missing it. At some point, something needs to change. So we sing these songs, God, my life is yours. Right? Everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours, right? There's all these different songs we sing until the rubber meets the road. And so Holy Spirit, actually just take a second, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? I thank you that we've heard this already a couple of times this morning. There's things you're saying to us as a corporate church body that might not need to change. And God, as the pastor, I offer that to you. I'm willing to change anything in this church. But God, we each have our own personal relationship with you. And so right now, each one of us, we present our lives before you. The decisions we make, the things we own, the relationships we have, our thought life, the words that come out of our mouth, a victim mentality, our prayer life of just pleading and never prophesying. God, we hit lots of different things. Holy Spirit, would you make it real to me in my own personal life? I want one thing that I'm going to own and walk out of this room that I am actively changing and working on. I thank you, God, that you can only do what I can't do. You can change my heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh and soft and pliable. So I give you my heart. Soften it. Holy Spirit, come with the oil and soften my heart. God, I submit my mind and my reason how I make decisions. I will stop and consider what would please you the most, not please me the most. So God, I thank you that you're a God who stirs up emotions. You're a God who uses logic and reason. And at some point you go above and beyond those and you call me to live by faith, to trust to believe without seeing. So Lord, we give you a fresh and anew. I know I gave you my life when I was five years old, but I give it again to you today. I give you my life and all that it is. It's yours, God. 
If you want to change any of it, I will change it because I am submitted and you are my king. In Jesus' name, amen.